This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, August 9th, 2023. Now, that is late in the week for us shows, uh, folks, so this is going to be a quick show, uh, Reader's Digest, if you will, of this week's marvelous uh, Marvel-related news, and Aaron, I seem to be really dating myself here. Would Cliff Notes version would that have been better or or am i now basically the oldest man podcasting on the planet no i i feel bad now because i understand both readers digest version as well as cliff notes so <laughs> if i couldn't have understood one of those i could laugh and point and go ha ha old man but uh, that finger's pointed at me right now okay <laughs> uh, old man oh. all right well i will save us both rockers out on the porch okay sounds good before we get started here with the news portion of the show, folks, I want to remind you that the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Turing Plan's own travel agency. Yes, they have one. And if you're looking for help when it comes to booking your very next trip to Walt Disney World, these obviously knowledgeable folks can help. They'll even toss in a free subscription to Turing Plan's with every package you book. So, before your very next trip to Florida, please check them out at touringplans.com backslash travel. Okay, when this show drops, folks, it will be three weeks and four days out from Labor Day 2023, which will be held this year on September 4th. And I guess in case you're wondering, Labor Day was created by the labor movement back in the late 19th century and officially became a federal holiday back in 1894. And I bring this up, Aaron, because I think you earlier in the week pointed toward um, this unionization effort at Marvel Studios. Uh, 50 uh, workers there have signed authorization cards asking that they be represented by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees or the IATSE. Was that the visual effects workers? Yep. One. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. And and what better timing to do it? You know, I mean, you've got the writers on strike, you've got the actors on strike, join the group, make it stronger, you know, with, with your own strike, the, the more voices that you have, uh, the easier you can be heard. Mm-hmm. And if you think, what if they waited too late and all of a sudden the writers make a deal and the, and the actors make a deal and then they go, okay, everybody back to work. And then the VFX people are like, ah, not so fast. Mm-hmm. Then they would get villainized. Because they'd be holding up that train that everyone wants to get back on the road, uh, on the track again of making movies. You know, I had not thought about that. That is an interesting point. I'm kind of intrigued by the dominoes that led to this moment. I remember back in February of this year, we were hearing the stories about the grueling work conditions that you know the folks at Marvel had to endure in order to get Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania out the door in time. For its previously locked in February 17th, a release date. And, you know, remember the stories there about effects workers 
having to put in 80 hour uh, weeks for months at a time to, to get that film ready to go out the door. And, and then there was the earlier story about how there had been so many changes and so much futzing with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which remember that came out uh, or went out into theaters November 22nd of last year. And that's what ultimately threw Quantum Mania behind schedule because they had to throw you know all those bodies at getting Wakanda Forever done that you know then Quantum Mania was brought up short and so this effort these 50 plus people signing those authorization cards this comes on the heels of did you see the story just this past weekend about what Seth Rogen did in regard to the folks who were working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem no, did not. What do you do? Well, this is kind of burying the needle in the exact opposite direction. It was Jeff Lowe, who's the, the director of Mutant Mayhem, who, who shared this story with Vulture. And evidently, Rogan went to him as they were getting ready to produce this, you know, animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie and basically shared, look, when you're working on a live action film, sometimes you're on set for 40 days in a row, and it is exhausting. Whereas on an animated film, you can multiply that by months. And Seth wanted the folks who were working on Mutant Mayhem to have a good work-life balance. So he insisted the people who worked on this project could get time away, that working on this film wouldn't become their entire life. And so Jeff goes on to say, so I really took what Seth said to heart and made sure that when we were making Mutant uh, Mayhem that we did this ethically. That We talked with the animators who were working on this movie and asked them about the schedule that suited them best. And some wanted to only come in three days a week. Others asked if they could work remotely. And we did what we could to accommodate them. And, and that's kind of refreshing to hear, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's it's nice to have someone, well, especially like if you're in the system yourself, like Seth is. He's an actor. He's a, a writer, a producer. He's seen all the different angles mm -hmm. of making uh, the, the product, as we'd like to say. And so to have empathy for those around you going, boy, I certainly wouldn't want to be put through the ringer like that. Let's not put those people through the ringer. Like, I would like to not be put through the ringer. I know it speaks volumes to uh, the ethic of character. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting. You bring up empathy because let's recall how just last month when Disney CEO Bob Iger was up in Idaho for the Allen & Company Sun Valley Conference and sat down with CNBC and uh, what's the polite way of saying this? Said the, the, the quiet part out loud. Here's some of the things that, that Mr. Iger said at that time, that the writers and the actors have a level of expectation uh, when it comes to the strike that's just not realistic. And uh, that by staging the job action, this job action, when they have, when the entertainment industry really has not come all the way back, especially in regard to its recovery from COVID, uh, that it's still a work in progress, this is very disruptive, <laughs> and and I, I don't need to remind you what folks like Clark Gregg or Tatiana Maslany said, that they kind of came out very strong against Disney's CEO, and and Bob evidently had, has gotten the message, so... Uh, just, oh, really? Oh, good. Yeah, just yesterday, Disney 
had its most recent quarterly earnings call. And at that time, Mr. Iger was, was quoted as saying, nothing is more important to the Walt Disney Company than its relationships with the creative community. That includes actors, writers, animators, directors, and producers. I have deep respect and appreciation for all those who are vital to the extraordinary creative engine that drives this company and our industry. It is my fervent hope that we quickly find solutions to the problems that have kept us apart these past few months. And I am personally committed to working to achieve that result. All right. So for uh, all of the writers and, and actors on strike mm -hmm. and all that, let me just show you or, or share with you one of Aaron's old school recipes. And I mean old school. This is back when I was in broadcasting school and I had like 75 cents for all of dinner. Mm -hmm. You start off with your uh, 12 cent pack of ramen noodles. This was back in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. OK, yep. You, you boil those up, throw out the, the flavor sauce. You don't need that. Um, and then a good old-fashioned of Campbell's Italian tomato soup mm -hmm. dumped over top of it as if it were spaghetti sauce. Oh, 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 oh. Jim, I swore I'd never go back to those days, but there were many times where you had less than a buck and you had to make do. And uh, it, it's really hard for someone like Bob Iger who's got – jets and mansions and butlers and such to uh you know it's like you're having crispy duck confit you know and, and stuff like that and and you just can't imagine uh what some of these other people are going through so i'm glad that he finally got the message will he will he actually do anything about it i don't know and i i have to say i mean it, it's Perhaps encouraging to, to, I mean, mind you, that reads like so much earnest boilerplate that was carefully massaged by a PR team. Right. But yep. to contrast this with the news from just this past Friday, where the producers and the writers were supposed to sit down, and it, this wasn't even the actual negotiation. This was the negotiation as to what we should talk about while we're negotiating and they couldn't even agree on that. And so, and, and we are now a hundred days in to the writer's strike. And the fact that they walked away from that and basically both parties said, we have no plans to resume negotiation. And it's just sort of, that's just so disheartening. Well, I mean, at some point, this is all going to start to collapse upon itself because if you're not making content, what are all the networks going to be putting out in the near future? Mm. What we're, How are you going to lure advertisers if you don't have anything worth a damn? And also, mm -hmm. you know, compare, I think what may have triggered Bob Iger's sudden level of compassion mm -hmm. was when the story about David Zaslav bragging about how Warner Brothers saved like $100 million. Mm by not having to pay people because of this wonderful, glorious strike. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, great, you saved $100 million, but what are you going to be able to make, you know, not save, but make when you have no content? And, uh, and that's a problem. And uh, to, to sort of expand on that, what's kind of interesting is that a number of studios have reached out to people that they have long existing deals with, and it basically... You know, keying off of what you just mentioned there, it's like, well, you know, I know we have a first look deal with you, you, you Mr. Writer, producer, whatever, but we're not producing anything. So, you know, we're going to 
cancel our first look deal with you. And again, from a you know a bookkeeping standpoint, to the effect of you know this is how we will reduce our our overall costs over uh, the strike. And what's interesting is that uh, a number of folks I've chatted with, it's like you know, and and the folks who are in the studio are are kind of gleeful that they can use this for cover to effectively shut down deals with creatives that haven't been as productive as they had thought they would be. I'm wondering if something in the near future could happen, like back in the day when Image Comics was created, mm -hmm. because at that time it was a lot of artists and writers who weren't getting the credit mm -hmm. for the hard work that they put mm -hmm. in. And then, and I can't remember who the founder was, but I swear that... Uh, McFar uh, Todd McFarlane was in there in the earliest of days. Mm -hmm. But the idea was, you're the one that created it. You should take the lion's share of it. You know, you you did all of this work. We're just the company that's giving you the pen and the papers uh, and publishing it. So we'll take a smaller cut, but we're going to put our artists and our writers and our creators first. I don't know how well Image Comics is doing compared to Marvel and DC and all that, you know, today. And obviously, movie making is a much more risky business because you've got to invest, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then there's no guarantee that you're going to make that money back. So I don't see like a studio who says, yeah, let's give it all to the artists because we like the artists. But there's got to be a, a someone who says, hey, I've created a place that's not going to screw everybody over. Mm -hmm. Would you like to come work here and, and just have a shift? You know, it's so interesting you mentioned Image Comics. I've just, uh, kind of, uh, while you were chatting, I hit Google, and it looks like the starting members of it, you're, you're right, Todd McFarlane, uh, Rob Liefeld, and Jim Lee. Yep. Uh, yep. And, yeah, I mean, uh, this was 91 or, or thereabouts. All incredibly talented individuals. And I think Jim Lee was, like, heading up D.C. for a little while mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, afterwards. So, I mean, it's like they're, yeah, they're they're really good in their industry. And I just I want to see, like, you know, I, Spielberg did it with SKG already where, mm -hmm. you know, he had his shingle or, or whatever. And But you need someone who's a creative mm -hmm. and has a load of money yeah. to back the idea Absolutely. and say i'm gonna risk it to try and make a change in the world because you can't do it unless you have money and you also can't do it unless you have talent to actually make something worth watching you know i mean it can't be a bunch of c-list nobodies who've never done anything they're not going to make it so you need the the talent the the brains and the money to just say you know what let's put it all on the craps table mm -hmm. and see if we can break hollywood and and you know win the casino so to speak yeah. I mean, it just, ugh, that would be so nice if, if something like that, you know, rose up out of the wreckage here. But that that's the other thing, that this is a slow, slow motion car crash because anybody you talk with in the industry, you know, basically says right now, because of the actors being on the picket line and the writers being on the picket line, the blockbusters, the very films that need to be in theaters next summer have to be mm. shooting, the window is closing right. for being able to deliver product to the exhibitors next summer. And the fact that the studios are doing this because literally it's like 0.1% of what they earn to share that with the writers or to, to get in a situation where you make it possible for actors these days to actually 
make a living acting as opposed to I act and I also do DoorDash. Right. It's it's like the studio has the entire loaf of bread and the actors want a crumb. They're like, you know what? No, let's all starve instead. Nobody's going to eat. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely yeah. crazy. But All right. Changing the subject now and just sort of circling back to a story we, we've covered in the past here at Marvelous Disney. The Jonathan Majors situation, in fact, his criminal trial, which keys off of an incident uh, that allegedly involved domestic violence back on March 25th and, and then resulted in charges leveled at him for third-degree assault, aggravated harassment, and attempted assault being filed with a, a Manhattan court. That trial, Aaron, was supposed to have begun late last week on August 3rd. But it wound up being pushed back to September 6th. And Priya Chandri, who's representing majors, uh, expressed her client's frustration with this delay, uh, which reportedly occurred because the prosecutors uh, have, have told the judge they need more time to go through the discovery process. And, and here's what Priya said to the press, that... Jonathan Majors has been waiting for 132 days now to clear his name of these false allegations, while the NYPD waits to arrest his accuser upon her New York return. Now, have, had you heard about that part of the story? No. What's the, what are they waiting to arrest her for? Well, again, the, the woman in question, uh, Grace Jabari, is Majors' ex-girlfriend, and I'm kind of intrigued about this myself. They're being kind of tight-mouthed as to why she would be arrested once she gets back to the city. Can you be Well, you can be arrested for making false charges, right? You can. Now, what's kind of interesting is that Chandri actually used language to that effect, that, that these false allegations. Now, okay, so let's kind of separate mm -hmm. certain items mm -hmm. here. Uh, th this is in no way saying that anybody is innocent or guilty of anything. There we go. Mm -hmm. But if we were to look at just one incident, let's say 10 events happened that one mm -hmm. night. They were in a cab. They argued. Someone, you know, may have swung or hit or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they went to a club and another thing happened. And then they went to the hotel later that night and another thing happened. Okay, so there's three different events. Mm -hmm. Well, what if uh, one of the three events had 30 witnesses and those 30 witnesses said, that never happened that way. Hmm. And that and the other things could have happened and and Jonathan Majors could have been a, a very horrible mm -hmm. in those moments, but that one mm -hmm. that that may have had witnesses that will testify against that mm -hmm. could lead to someone having, you know, a, a, a false charges pressed against them because, you know, they they've got enough witnesses to mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, beyond that, I th I mean we had read a story earlier that Jonathan Majors had to have uh, like a person of the hotel mm -hmm. open a room that was locked and, right. and she was found passed out inside. Mm -hmm. Usually if you're passed out, you're either, you know, high or drunk or, I mean, if she were beaten, usually he would have to be on the other side of that door mm -hmm. for that to happen, not you locking yourself in a room, you know, solitarily. Mm -hmm. So there, there's some hinkiness in all of the stories and so the best thing right now is get everybody in court, mm -hmm. let everybody say their thing, and at some point the stories aren't going to line up, and then you're going to have to dig from there about that deviation in, in the timeline. I hate to use a timeline right now, but that's, <laughs> that's what they got to look at is the timeline and figure out what, what happened when. 
Oh, it's so interesting that you use the phrase, what happened when, because we're going to pivot now to talking once again about Secret Invasion, Marvel Studios' latest limited series for Disney+, Plus, which just wrapped up late last month. And Screen Rant recently posted an interview with Ali Salim, the writer-director of Secret Invasion, and he expanded a bit on the story notes that he had been given by Marvel Studios management out ahead of writing the script for this six-installment limited series. And again, what, what Screen Rant pinned him down on was how Secret Invasion was supposed to help set up the Marvels, as well as the new, now, movie rather than limited series version of, of Armor Wars. And here's the quote. I was given some requirements. When Secret Invasion ended, Nick Fury needed to be back up in space, and I then had to make sure that Rhodey's legs didn't work out ahead of the start of Armor Wars, which, mm. that I gotta tell you, Aaron, that bums me out. I mean, yep. to my way of thinking... That means that Marvel Studios is now being very unambiguous about when, you know, I mean, when human Rhodey was swapped out for Skull Rhodey. I mean, if, if they're going to now make a big deal that Rhodey is unable to walk, that then means he got grabbed sometime actually before the end of Captain America Civil War. Because remember, at the very end of that movie, there's this scene in, in that Russo Brothers film where Tony Stark gifts Rhodey with some exoskeletal leg braces. In fact, isn't that the same scene where I have a package here for Tony Stank? Well, here's the thing is that be, uh, before that mm -hmm. event in the movie, mm -hmm. You see Rhodey going into uh, like a, a CAT scan machine or something. You know, the big tube they put you on the bed and that's they right. slide you into that's it right. and scan all mm -hmm. that. Well, that's when he's wearing his medical gown. Mm -hmm. And oh, when we see him God. being retrieved, he's still in a medical gown. So that's where the swap would have to happen. And you're right. That would mean that when he gets the legs, that's not that. That's a scroll pretending they can't walk. Uh, um, now, here, here we go. Mm -hmm. y you know why this is actually a good thing? Please, please, find a good thing. Instant empathy for our hero in the next series. As soon as that screen rolls, you're like, oh, you poor guy. You didn't even know about Tony. You're probably going to find out, and oh, God, it's going to hurt. Oh, my God, poor Rhodey. I feel so bad for you. Instant empathy is what you get there out of that. No, and, and you're not wrong. That's an excellent point. But, but at the same time, this still does not make me happy. I mean, if you think about this takes the wind out of... Rhodey's actions in Infinity War, Endgame, not to mention Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I will say this much. I am still holding out hope that Armor Wars has in some way a what really happened to Rhodey component. Because there's a part of me holding out hope that this is wrong. There's got to be folks at Marvel. In fact, I was asking about this. Are, are you guys paying attention to what's being said in the community? And it's just sort of, a, we pay attention to everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of, yeah, we're monitoring it. And if it becomes a thing, we'll see. But as of right now, you know, it sort of looks like, okay, it's doing what it's supposed to. It's making people already artificially interested in armor wars. Yet not so much the Marvels. That's actually kind of concerning the folks at Marvel right now. Again, of the whole notion that coming out of this uh, Nick Fury-centric 
story, there is no additional heat. There is no additional excitement for the Marvels come November. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't call it additional heat because of Secret Invasion. I, I don't have, like, Secret Invasion for me fell rather flat. And therefore, there is no possible way that it could add to anything else in the MCU, mm -hmm. right? It would have to be liquid fire mm -hmm. in order for it to lend heat to another thing. And since it was lukewarm at best, there's just not enough heat for it. But when I did see the trailer for the Marvels, it was much better than I had ever anticipated it being. And I do have very high expectations for it, and it looks like a lot of fun. So my enthusiasm is higher than I expected, even though Secret Invasion didn't do anything to help that. Oh, before I forget, you had mentioned something you, you had just seen that folks who are anticipating the Marvels who are cat enthusiasts might want to seek out. Yeah, uh, Total Film Magazine. Do, do you know what those are? Apparently they're made out of paper. <laughs> I tried swiping one with my finger and it wouldn't change the picture. And my wife said, no, you have to pinch on oh. it and then actually lift and turn. And it's a really weird experience for the youngsters. But anyway, it's made of paper okay. and uh, on, on what they call the cover mm -hmm. of the paper. Uh, they have if you go buy it on the on the newsstand, they've got your three lead heroines mm -hmm. for the Marvels. However, mm -hmm. if you're a subscriber and if you happen to be a cat lover, boy, are you in luck because it's a, a cover of nothing but flurkins, a parade of flurkins. I think there's 11 or 12 mm -hmm. little kitty cats on that cover, just adorable as all get out. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, if you're a flurkin fan, mm -hmm. check out Total Film Magazine. <laughs> Subscribe to it real quick. Wow. That's a phrase you have to be really careful saying. Okay. And, and <laughs> flirkin fan. Flirkin fan. Yeah. That's right. And, <laughs> and speaking of, of Fs, uh, when we get back from this break, we're going to talk a, a bit about Fantastic Four. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron, have you been following at all what's going on with, with the Fantastic Four reboot? I mean, I, I, earlier on, you had, I, I want to say in, in a, a recent episode, you had shared some news in regard to Adam Driver, who I think you had heard he had turned down both Doctor Doom and 
Reed Richards? Was that correct? The, 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 was the first the first rumor was that he had turned down Doctor Doom mm-hmm. early on, and I think that was just because he had just come off the Kylo Ren bus mm-hmm. and was like, I've already done the guy in the mask. I'm good on that. Okay. And then and then so uh, Marvel said, Well, how would you like to do the guy who's not in the mask, Mister Reed Richards? Mm-hmm. And uh, he thought about it for a sec, apparently. And the most recent rumor is that he has passed on that as well. He just didn't. I guess he couldn't find a, a way to connect to the character. Um, so fine. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, an actor that is smart enough to go, I'm not interested No, whatever the paycheck is, no matter how big the property is, it doesn't interest me creatively. And I think that takes a a bit of a backbone Mm -hmm. to, uh, stick to your creative guns like that. So I'm rather happy for him to not get tethered into a 20 year deal to, to do a thing that he may not have been totally interested in. So the, uh, search continues there. There have been some other rumors that they, had settled on you know female lead and maybe a Johnny Storm, but I'm not certain about the legitimacy of any of well, that. Well, it's it's interesting you bring that up because that is in fact what we are talking about today. Vanessa Kirby, who uh, you folks may know from her work in the Mission Impossible films, uh, I also want to say she was in Hobbs and Shaw, that sort of spinoff of uh, the Fast and the Furious series. She supposedly actually signed a deal to play Susan Storm just before the actor's strike happened, which, to give you a timeline here, folks, that's July 14th when the strike began. So evidently, she signed her deal just ahead of that. And what's kind of interesting about that is, remember, we've talked on previous shows about the thinking in-house had been figure out who Sue is, and then you work backwards from there, you can cast her brother, which, by the way, the, that's the other news. Joseph Quinn, who uh, a lot of you probably know from his work on Netflix uh, Stranger Things series, appears to be the favorite right now when it comes to Johnny Storm. In fact, I had a friend that, down in Atlanta who had mentioned that, yeah, you know, things are far enough along that I've actually seen a piece of concept art with him in Johnny Storm in the outfit and Johnny Storm ablaze, so to speak. But they have not signed a deal. Supposedly, only Sue has been nailed into place, Miss Kirby. They think they have a a Johnny, but still no Ben Grimm, still no Reed Richards. Let me ask you this before we carry on. When it comes to Ben Grimm, Mm -hmm. are you going to cast an actor that has any sort of look at all, or are you only casting based on their voice for after the transformation? Because you know human Grimm mm-hmm. is only going to be there for a red-hot minute, and after that, it's a siege. Yeah, I mean, it's like Vin Diesel. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's all about the voice on that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Are they going to cast for a look, or are they going to cast for a voice? That is just so hard to say. It's one of these things where, face it, if you do any flashbacks, if you do any dream sequences, I mean, you Mm -hmm. need to have an actor that the audience can get in the corner there for them. Also, uh, while we're talking about the wild stuff that could happen with Fantastic Four, one of the more recent rumors that I had read is that we indeed are going to get a Galactus for the uh, Fantastic Four movie. Uh, Any Truth to that, has anyone at Marvel uh, been able to confirm or deny a a Galactus in the very first Fantastic Four movie? I haven't heard anything to that effect. But again, I'm always kind of careful about 
what I ask about? Because I know there are, you know, the, the problem is that if you start to pin down script specifics, what gets dangerous is that Kevin Feige kind of learned at Steve Jobs' elbow, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. in regard to leaks. I mean, remember, Steve Jobs, when people were leaking at Apple, what he would do is he would pull the four and five individuals he believed were allowing information to leak out of the building, and he would tell each of them a slightly different story. And that yep. then when he saw which story had gotten out to the building, you know, okay, I know it's that guy. And yep. that's the story, by the way, I keep hearing over and over again about Feige, you know, to the effect that every so often he will put audition pages or script pages out there that are deliberately written to sort of like, okay, so who's leaking, who's talking? And then, you know, you, you know who to let go or who not to hire, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, you were just mentioning Vin Diesel and, and Groot. And it's, I want to remind folks that September 6th, uh, we're getting a brand new season of those I Am Groot shorts so and i don't know if you've seen the the trailer but the watcher appears in one image of, of this thing so does this mean the watcher is really coming into the cinematic mcu i mean they've actually got him, him in a real human form not not animated at all well i mean as in you know the the classic image of the watcher where you get that view of the universe that takes on that vaguely humanoid shape you know with like it oh, okay that that is how they're going with it okay there we go. yeah that's cool all right so but i i just thought it was kind of intriguing it's like really okay well i mean he is always watching over all of the mcus mm -hmm. all over the multiverse and whatnot mm -hmm. so i mean it would only make sense that he does exist out there somewhere and he is indeed watching because that's his job mm -hmm. so uh yeah i mean it, it, this would just be our first glimpse of that but i'm i'm eager to see it okay and while we're talking about marvel casting related news this is kind of a bizarre story madam webb the sony film which just in, in the past couple of weeks, we learned that Sony is moving up its release date from uh, February 16th to February 14th. But this finished production back in January of this year. So it's one of these notions where it's like, you know, hey, we just got some casting news on, on Madam Web. You, you mean the thing that's completed? And it's like, yeah. You know, Sydney Sweeney has been cast or... Is that the right phrase? You know, uh, but she plays Julia Carpenter. Uh, that's Spider Woman. But Spider Woman is appearing alongside Dakota Johnson in the Madam Web movie. And it's just sort of like, really? That news is breaking now? And if so, why? Are they doing another uh, Illuminati scene where they hired all these great actors who never met on the day and they're just going to CG a conversation together? <laughs> I don't know. It may, maybe she's got her own solo story arc where she doesn't interact. She just prowls along the rooftops and watches from above. I don't know. What, what are they going to do with the girl? There's just something about the fact that this story breaks now. In fact, not only does it break now, that they have Miss Sweeney out there talking about when she got cast, where she says, you know, when I was cast, I was freaking out, and I went straight to the comic store, and I bought every comic that mentioned her character, Spider-Woman. So, you know, she she did her due diligence. She, she wanted to be ready to play the role. But again, I just, I'm, for me, you know, when news breaks, it's always, why this story now? And while we're touching on Sony, 
Sony, just like Disney, had its, its quarterly earnings call. And because of the strike, its profits tumbled 68% from April to June of this year. Ouch. But, but here's the interesting thing. During that same window of time, Across the Spider-Verse is out in theaters. It makes $380 million domestic, an additional $303 million overseas, worldwide growth so far of $683 million. And, and yet that's not enough you know, to, to forestall 68% you know, fall off in earnings. And now, mind you, company still has high hopes uh, for uh, you know, this sequel to Into the Spider-Verse you know, impacting the company's bottom line. In fact, as of last week, this film is now available to purchase and rent on video on demand. And of course, the Blu-ray uh, is showing up on store shelves uh, September 5th of this year, the the day before uh, season two of I Am Groot shows up on Disney+. Plus. You know, I'm looking at the schedule of what uh, Sony Pictures has released thus far. Mm-hmm. As well as the gross, and yeah, they are not doing well at all with a lot of stuff. Like their uh, 18th uh, grossing picture of for this year, mm-hmm. uh, ranked 18th, was called Venus, and uh, the 2023 gross for that was 1,242 dollars. Sold 117 tickets. Oh, <laughs> that I mean that that's a square kick right right below the belt right oh, there right geez. that'll drag any average down but mm-hmm. you've got things like even um you know a Tom Hanks movie a man called Otto yeah, which I, I I saw that I I didn't have any like I love Tom Hanks same thing here. I saw the trailer for mm-hmm. it I I had no interest in seeing mm-hmm. it but that is the third highest grossing movie of the year for that well actually came out December thirtieth of twenty twenty two but we'll call it twenty twenty three. Um, and, uh, that rent, that got 64 million, mm. which isn't terrible. I mean, if it costs me, you know, maybe 10 or 20 million to, to make, mm. it made a little bit of money, mm. keeping in mind that half the money obviously goes to the theater, yeah. you know, and I don't know what they spent on advertising. And that, so their, their second highest mm-hmm. was Insidious, the red door mm. and the Insidious franchise has always done fairly well for them, oh, sure. but mm-hmm. for Insidious to be, your number two movie of the year so far and everything else just big george foreman why the hell would i watch a movie about big george foreman at this point mm-hmm. five million is all that made yeah they they've put out a lot of things and and uh i have seen one of them and i didn't even really care for it all that much so that's just unfortunate for them this year mm, but but no I, I i i love your analysis there and in fact this is another reason why i i so enjoy listening to your 32nd Street uh, podcast, uh, the, your Patreon effort that uh, shines such a fun and informative spotlight on Madison Avenue. And, and toward that end, what, what are you guys up to this week? Uh, it's it's weird how things happen, mm-hmm. but um, Ron and I were talking about a lie. Mm-hmm. And, and then a news story popped up with the government talking about aliens. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we were talking about them together, I was writing notes and I wrote a lie and alien and i realized it's basically the same word twice and i went all right screw it our show is about a, a lie and aliens and uh that's the title of the show and we talk uh, the reason that we're going to talk about a lie mm-hmm. is uh and, and we try very hard to stay apolitical mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. but here here's a thing just to watch for and see if it holds true in the future uh, a politician mm-hmm. can in fact say a lie to the public and be protected by the first amendment however 
if they put that lie in a political ad, the FCC will find them, pull them, and make a retraction. So, if you think a politician is lying during the the times they're out on the campaign trail, take note of that, and then wait until their actual ad comes up during political season. And if that factoid is not in their commercial, chances are no, they know they've been lying this whole time because you just can't put it in a political ad. There's laws against that. And uh, freedom of speech, First Amendment, does not cover that sort of thing. So that's one way to, to look out for things. Uh, yeah. Again, this is why. This is why you listen to the 32nd Street podcast. Or you should. Oh, and apparently also alien exist according to some people we talk about that as well but that's not the big okay well, there you go um okay well uh, folks seriously you, you're missing out on some really interesting uh, stuff over 30 seconds and uh, on the other hand if you're looking for some podcasts to listen to we do have a, a, a couple here worth considering in fact uh we have disney dish which i do with len testa in fact len and i just recorded a brand new episode earlier today he's back rested and refreshed from his his journey you know his his cruise in europe uh let's see uh drew taylor and i will be recording a brand new fine tuning i believe tomorrow night or thereabouts and brian gone and i uh will be working on a brand new looking at lucasfilm at some point this weekend and hope to get that out the door next week let's see beyond that folks if you could do Aaron and I a favor, uh, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also if you could put in a good word for 32nd Street, that would be helpful. Um, beyond that, Aaron, I see that you are still posting over on X, also <laughs> yep. the, the website formerly known as Twitter. Uh, anywhere else we can find you or... No, I, I hide uh, under a bushel and try and keep myself uh, sequestered away from the public. But if you want to chit-chat, uh, Twitter's the easiest place to do it, and you can find me at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I am over on X slash Twitter a lot myself, uh, but also Nancy's got us on Instagram. Uh, both of those, by the way, are Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And... I guess that's going to do it for this week's folks. And so on behalf of Mr. Adams, thank you for listening and we will be back soon.